The Meeting Charleston podcast is sponsored by Princeton Mortgage, home of the Princeton Promise. If you think your mortgage process was anything less than effortless, just tell them why and receive a $1,000 credit at closing. My husband Mark and I moved to Charleston in 2018 with our three daughters. We both grew up in New Jersey and were ready for a new adventure. We had visited Charleston a few years back and immediately fell in love. So when it came time to pick a new home, low country living seemed like a no-brainer. So far, it has definitely exceeded our expectations. We love meeting our new neighbors and hearing their stories, so we started this podcast because we think that you might want to hear these stories too. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our feed on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, and please give us a five-star rating. Your support will make it easier for us to get an audience with the people you would most like to hear from. If you have suggestions for us on guests or things that we can do to improve the podcast, please message us on Facebook or Instagram. Your feedback is sincerely appreciated. Now on to our guest. JJ Ronamoon here. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're really excited to have you here, mainly because um, you've done such a great thing. I, you're all over the internet. I feel like I've seen a bunch of videos. I start searching you and I see Charleston Cribs come up and all these fun videos and I love it, which we want to get into. And um, selfishly, we're in the, the lending space, so it's mm-hmm. a really cool fit and I think that we could have a really fun conversation today. Most definitely. Awesome. So tell us, uh, let's start at the beginning. Uh, where you're from, where'd you go to school? And how'd you get to Charleston? Yeah, most definitely. Um, so I I was born at Roper St. Francis Hospital, so I guess you could consider me. A, yeah, you could consider me a, a Charlestonian. Yep, unicorn. I love exactly. It. There's not a lot of us. So um, <laughs> my family uh, was in the restaurant business growing up, and um, my dad. Um, I have. Uh, I come from an immigrant family on both sides, and my dad's Persian. A lot of people like, he's like Persian Santa Claus. He's like the coolest dude ever. And um, anyways, uh, he had a couple restaurants with a business partner um, that he's had for generations, some like 40, 50 years going on. And, um, you know, growing up, I grew up. Are they still in the business, still active now? Uh, one of them it still is, yeah. Shout it out. Yeah, it's Saffron's Bakery. Okay, where's that oh, at? that's amazing. It's, it's on East Bay Street. Awesome. Yeah. It's the oldest bakery in Charleston. Cool. Um, but back in the day, they used to have a pizza place right on Market Street where five churches now, and I pretty oh. much my, my dad being you know, foreign and then also being the restaurant business, he was a workaholic, so I was pretty much always there with him too. Um, so that was kind of what I grew up in, and uh, me and my brothers worked in that business as well. And um, that was just kind of like all we knew. You know, that was our, our bread and butter was our bread and butter, if you know what I'm saying. So uh, <laughs> how, uh, that's that's funny. Awesome. How, um, how many brothers do you have? I have two older brothers. Oh, awesome. And are they all still in Charleston? Uh, one of them is, and then one of them lives in Tennessee. Okay, cool. Yeah. And what, what, what kind of work do they do? Um, so my middle brother is in HVAC, so we work a lot together. That's awesome. Um, I refer him a lot of business, so it works out for the both of us. And um, my eldest brother is an attorney, and he lives in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. So tell me, d- where'd you go to high school? I went to James Allen Charter High School. Okay, awesome. And then did you go to school here as well for college? Or yeah, I went to Trident Tech, and I, gra- okay. um, I graduated with um, an association, in, or it's my associate's degree in business. Um, but I still went back to food and bev because that was what I was comfortable with. I made decent money, and that's just what I was naturally attracted to, you know. 
So how, where did you work and how long did you do that? Um, so I worked in a lot of higher end uh, restaurants and resorts. I worked for my dad in the beginning, obviously. Yeah. And then um, kind of uh, just went outside the box. You know, I'm, I'm sure, as you guys know, working for family, it doesn't always go over as uh, <laughs> smooth sailing. <laughs> so um, I worked out at Kiowa for a little bit at a, at a couple resorts out there. I worked at the Charleston Place Hotel. Um, and I worked at like Zero George too, which is a higher end restaurant downtown. Yeah, we, we love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 good spot. So what, uh, what led, what inspired you to uh, pursue real estate? Um, so I, um, I've always kind of had a sales background, like being in the hospitality business and then kind of doing a few other sales jobs as well. And um, I moved away and um, I was moving back to Charleston. I was gone for a little bit. I moved back to Charleston and I was talking to my dad and uh, talking to him and his business partner about like taking over the reins because they service a lot of um, commercial um, places like Harris Teeter and Charleston Place and Kiowa and Seabrook with all their bread, croissant, uh, croissant sandwiches and muffins. So I was going to, a lot of my friends are chefs or they are managers at restaurants. So I was going to try and take the reins over and like that. And um, being like super foreign, my dad was like, yeah, we'll give you 500 bucks a week. And I was <laughs> like, uh, dad, I'm going to be single and renting an apartment for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, we'll pay you in cash, buddy. No big deal. <laughs> and I was like, even worse, um, I'm going to respectfully decline. And uh <laughs> So uh, I ended up getting a job at Zero George, and I worked there for a while. And while I was there, I got my real estate license, and um, it was kind of a hard go. It was a very hard learning curve for me. Um, a lot of the questions on the exam are more um, strategic, I'll say. They're not really like they're not really what's the right answer. It's what's the best answer, Yeah. and I'm not really good at testing anyway, so – through trial and tribulation, I failed a couple times, but then finally I had some success with it, and I got my real estate license. Yeah, I'm fairly certain there's no correlation between success in real estate and how many times you take the test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I guess so. So, yeah. <laughs> um, But with that said, I, you know, I continued to work at Zero George and uh, got my license, and, you know, went – the craziest thing, you know, be coming from the hospitality business, I worked at um, another restaurant, Pugin's Porch, like a oh, long right, time ago. You hit ago. all the famous ones. Huh? I love worked Pugin's Porch. Yeah, it's solid. <laughs> Be um, best, uh, best low country food in town. Okay. But I, I worked there years ago, and I had these, uh, these two fellows. They were brothers, and they had been dishwashers at Pugin's Porch for 12 years. Now, working in the hospitality business, I know – the most important person in the kitchen is not the chef or the sous chef or anyone like that. It's a dishwasher because if you work at a high-volume restaurant and you don't have silverware or plates, you're dead in the water. Right. So I always took care of them, you know what I'm saying? And um, one day they called me, and um, they said, hey, man, um, I wanted to talk to you. I see that you're doing real estate. And um, I my dad passed away, and I, I inherited a good bit of property, and I want to talk to you about it. So we went and met, and um, I tell you what, their dad did not leave them a single penny. He was like cash poor but real estate rich wow. and left them all these properties downtown Charleston. They were all distressed, but they were all very, very valuable. Um, so with that said, you know, dealing with that, we had to do what's called like a deed of distribution through the probate office and like all this stuff that you would never learn 
in real estate class. This is like like not vanilla like real estate stuff. This is kind of complex yeah. um, situations, and, and we got unraveled. And What a great way to learn, too, is somebody who will give you that flexibility. They know you're new to the industry, so you can like kind of learn through it together. That's yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, amazing. yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of money at the time, but I had time. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So yeah. that was something cool, and I, and I learned a lot um, just through asking questions and going to Pitya Charleston, the probate office, and all that stuff. Um, so with that, you know, one day I was, um, I, was on, uh, uh, I was on South Street. It's just like real. It's probably like the crappiest street, like on the east side downtown Charleston. Okay. And um, I um, I was looking at these. Ha- I was kind of doing a walk through these distressed properties, and I saw this uh, little older gentleman, this short fellow with glasses and mustache, and kind of like Mr. Monopoly, I guess. And um, <laughs> he was like shouting at this guy in the street, like cursing him out. And I made some snarky remark to him or something, and he made one back. He's like type A, and I kind of am too. And um, he said, what you doing over here? I don't think you're the right color to be over here. <laughs> and I said, well, I don't think you are either. <laughs> and um, I said, well, I'm about to list these houses over here. And he said, oh, really? He said, well, my name's Jeff Roberts, and I'm a, I'm a developer here downtown Charleston. Come to find out, he's probably one of the larger developers in the peninsula, and very savvy and super smart guy. Um, so anyways, we got the deeds cleaned up. I ran into this guy randomly, just like totally like coincidence, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, he, the next day he came back and he, he rolled up and like, we, we agreed to meet at a certain place in time and he rolled up and like three black Mercedes and he had like an engineer in one and an architect in one and him <laughs> in the other one. And I was just like, Whoa, what's, what's going on? <laughs> like men in black or, you know, yeah. something crazy. And, um, <clears throat> I was going to clock into the restaurant and, um, it was like at three o'clock and my shift was at four and he was like, I said, Jeff, I need you to hurry up, man. I got to go to work. And he was like, go to work. What are you talking about? I said, I got to go to the restaurant. He goes, the restaurant? What? He said, how much do you make at this restaurant? And I told him, and he said, well, what's that now? He said, I said, it's about $25 an hour. And he said, you need to stop thinking about $25 an hour and start thinking about $250 an hour because that's what I'm paying you right now. And I just thought, you know, kind of under my breath, I was like, this dude doesn't know what he's talking about. This old dude, like, he don't know what he's talking about. And um, I remember once those closings happened and I got those checks I remembered what this old dude said and I was like you know what he's right (laughs) and uh, I put my two weeks notice in and never looked back I just figured if I failed I could always go back to the restaurant business you know yeah I tell people that all the time you know (laughs) taking a risk and going for it is not a life sentence you can always go back you're not going to forget how to do whatever you're doing at the restaurant you know you're not going to forget how I tell people all the time you're not going to forget how to you know, wash cars, that's what you're doing. Go take a risk, do it, and you can always go back to that other thing. It will be there. Um, so that's an all, that was a great story. That man. is that an incredible yeah. story. I love yeah, it. Yeah, 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 for sure. So is that canned? Do you, you use that one on all your podcasts, or is this the first time <laughs> you've done no, that? No, 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 no. It's just, it's just it, man. That's awesome. That's, that's so it, cool. yeah. So did you did you continue to work with him on other future deals, or is it just that that was those words ran, you know echoed in your head and kind of pushed no, you forward? No, no, I, I still have a relationship with him that's pretty good. That's awesome. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, just he kind of, he was the one that put a little hair on my chest and got me some skin in the game, you know, and I was able to kind of take take a step forward with that. Um, but it's it was a struggle because I feel like if you don't know seven real estate agents, you don't have any friends in this town. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. So, like, convincing, like, my other friends to use me as opposed to Joe Schmo was tough. How'd you do it? How'd I do it? Yeah. Um, That's what we're here to tell everybody. How'd you do it? What gave you the grit? Because really, really what this is about, it's the same thing for loan officers. It's the grit to push through the dip, right? It's, right. It's going to be hard for everybody. It's a different level of hard, different kinds of hard. But the reason why the average loan officer in this country, if you make it, if you survive that first two, three years, you're making six figures. It's because most people don't, right? right. So you have to have the grit and the perseverance and the passion to keep fighting through it. And so – First of all, where did that inspiration come from? How did you fight through that dip? And then ultimately, what was the thing that kind of clicked eventually where where you started to see different results? So, I mean, I'm just – just to be frank, I'm just a savage, man. I just – I don't take no for an answer. Um, I just um, – you know, growing up, like, we didn't really have – like, it, well, I didn't – there was no silver spoons at like our dinner table. You know what I'm saying? I never had a car bought for me. I never had a cell phone bill paid. Like, you know, I came from your typical like immigrant family. Like we were worker bees, you know what I'm saying? So um, with that said, um, I just had one thing. My dad didn't buy me any material stuff, but he gave me a lot of, lot of hustle and ambition. And, um, and you know, I just kind of used that to push through. But I think for me, the biggest thing, my kind of like what I found is my niche is off-market property acquisition. So while like all the, you know, the 6,000, you know, vanilla real estate agents that are like scrolling through the MLS, like looking for properties for their clients, like I was that dude going out and hitting doors and writing letters and flying to New York and going to see people, people up there that had property and getting them to sign. Like I was taking everything to the next level and with how aggressive, particularly the peninsula is, um, that downtown market is basically, I mean, I feel like a majority of everything, a, a majority of the housing market downtown Charleston is bought and sold off market. So it's bought. Is that, like, is that like a statistical thing? Like it's actually a majority or is it just like your, uh, like, like your, your experience telling you that, or like, have you ever seen a statistic on that anywhere? Because that's 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 an incredible thing if that's actually. It's just it's just my experience, yeah, you know. That's awesome. Um, but uh, any deals to be had on the peninsula, a lot of them are bought and sold with with between about ten or twelve people. And if you're not in that circle, like of the good old boys, then you don't ever get the opportunity to really know what's going on. You'll just see that it's closed on MLS and it never went on the market. Um, so that was kind of my niche. So like even – but even like dealing with, you know, I, I basically – I do everything from the hood to the Hamptons. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, I'm in South Abroad, and I'm also on the east side buying heirs' property that's distressed, and we got to do a quiet title and get 30 signatures. You know, I, I'm, I'm doing stuff like that. So I'm well-versed with all different walks of life and also – different scenarios too um so it just depends but yeah a lot of them are, are private sales or off-market um property sales as you will on the peninsula so that was kind of my niche so what's your volume what do you project your volume to finish up for for 2019 
Um, so for myself individually, I should be around 23 million. And for the team, we should be around 40 or 45 million. Incredible. That's awesome. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So when did you finish that? Yeah. So this, you meet, you meet the Monopoly guy in what year? Was that six years ago? That you was just my first deal ever. Yeah, yeah, it was about six years ago. So then when did you go? I don't know if you want to mention who you were working for at the time, where your license was hanging. You weren't Empire Pro Properties at that no, moment. No, no. Um, I was working for the Boulevard Company at the time. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when did you go? How long was it from that moment until you decided, hey, I could do this on my own. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go build my team. Um, so I work for them, and I work for I, – I actually work on a few teams myself. So when I was at the Boulevard Company, I worked on a team. And then um, which with that team, um, it was great. I worked for this guy. His name is Trad Bastion. His dad um, – his granddad was in real estate, like they're like fourth, fifth gen um, Charlestonians. And um, he was probably – he gave me a great foundation for real estate because – I have a really strong sales background, I feel like, but I am not organized at all. And he gave me this awesome foundation of spreadsheets and organizations and Google calendars and really made me proficient into how to manage things, like on the day-to-day, -day, like manage my own things. And that gave me a good stepping stone to get, you know, to get started and then kind of branch off from there. Um, once I, I worked for him for a little bit over a year, and I learned a lot, and um, I wanted to just kind of get some more experience with someone else. So I went to another team downtown. Um, it was uh, the Charleston Global Property Shop downtown, 684 King Street. And I worked for a guy named Jason Pay. And um, he, at, you know, at that time was like the king of downtown. You know what I'm saying? I was like, I want to be the prince of downtown. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. And um, he – So did you, did you like – how did that opportunity come up? Did you like seek it out? You're like, yeah, I want to yeah, work yeah. for this guy. I just went and not, you know, I went and you know, cold called him, called him and door knocked him. You know, that, that's people don't do that, and the people who do do it, it works. Like that, it, if you see something you want, go in and get it. That's like a, I think we undervalue how much of a move that is, and how many people think that and never, never knock. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people operate in fear, and that's why they have fear of rejection or fear of failure or fear of whatever it may be. And um, I've kind of like failed everything in life, so I've already been through that, and I've done that. So, you know, I'm 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 not I'm not scared per se. You know, my skin's a little bit thicker than most. You know, yeah. so um, yeah, I went and worked for him for a while, and I still to this day, I mean, out of seven thousand real estate agents in the city of Charleston, um, I would say that Jason's probably one of the best negotiators in the city. I mean, hands down. Um, for sure, and uh, I learned a lot from him yeah. too, as far as negotiations and how to put things together that are a little bit outside the box and kind of do that. So, you know, working for Trad, I got a great foundational organization and business structure, and then working for Jason, I got the best in the business as far as negotiations and like creative thinking. Um, so I kind of took the two, put them together, and like kind of took what I liked and what I didn't like from both of them, and just created my own thing. Um, so currently, I actually still work for the Boulevard Company. I went back there, but I have a team. It's the Charleston Empire Properties team underneath them, and I started that um, December 15th of last year, so it's almost been one year. That's awesome. Yeah. How many people do you have? Uh, is it five people? How I many have people 
six agents right now, okay. and then um, Stephanie's holding it down in the admin office. So I'll be honest, I thought I was talking to you over email. So. No, it was her. It was her. She fooled you. She did. <laughs> so, um, yeah, she's holding it down, setting appointments, kind of getting everything flowing. And yeah, well, she's all, she's super professional. I, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, 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 yeah. So what's the goal for 2020? 2020, um, I would like to um, reach $65 million. Um, and I feel like our numbers are pretty strong, you know, when you compare it to, like, other teams um, and brokerages and whatnot. Um, I have about an 18th of the money that some of these bigger ones have. I'm not going to say their names. And I'm still, like, I'm right behind them. You know what I'm saying? So um, I'm hoping to get to $65 million and then hopefully the following year break $100 million. I'd like to – that's my, like, ultimate goal is to break $100 million. So – why, why? What's your why? I mean, is, is it because it's there? It's because you want to? Is there some somebody you're looking up to who did it and you want to you wanna get it to? What, what, where does that come from? Yeah, what's motivating you? Um, I think in life there's a lot of people that like what they do and people that love what they do, and I love what I do. Like I'm a real estate freak. I live, eat, and breathe it. Like even when we go to different countries and different um, areas, I'm just like, hey, what's your real estate market like? You know, just to see like – you know, see I what it's all about. We do. We do know that. We're <laughs> seems like we, we probably have a lot in common between the food and bev industry because all we – if we're not dealing with ho the housing market, we're eating. Right. Hey. <laughs> and we love all the restaurants downtown. But we're – every tour we go on, everywhere we go, I'm always – I've got like Zillow or Trulia out. Like, oh, what's that up for? What can we – like, yeah, yeah. I'm not even looking to buy, but I'm always looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun. <laughs> I love it's it. It's fun. I like it too. But I don't feel bad now showing you all those pictures. Like, look at this house. <laughs> this balcony. <laughs> yeah, I am about that life also. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. So I saw on Facebook that uh, you started your own family. Is that correct? You have your own children? No, no, oh, I don't. Oh, just another baby, somebody else? Just, just fur babies. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, ju awesome. we just have a, uh, a little French bulldog and then a little Him Himalayan cat. Oh, oh awesome. Yeah, yeah. I just tagged you in a French bulldog. I saw that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't tempt me. I know. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah. Like awesome. 2 a.m. scrolling. I'm like, oh, we should get a puppy. <laughs> do, you, do you live downtown now? No, we actually live on James Island. Okay, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you like it, like living out there? I love it. We live right by the barrel, so it's like a dog park with a bar in it. Okay. And so we go there often. <laughs> Very cool. It's amazing. Yeah. So um, what are your favorite places to hang out in Charleston? Where are the spots where you find you other than that? Um, I actually work a lot. I feel <laughs> like I'm, I'm – I, I thought I was going to get out, like, the 9 to 5 and work, but – and, you know, kind of be self-employed, but now I work – five to nine um <laughs> but if i were you know to go out and about um some of my favorite spots um i love the rooftop at market pavilion that's always a solid spot great views of the city um we also go to folly a lot i love jack of cups if you haven't been to jack of cups that is a spot um it's really good um and then we spend a lot of time at the barrel we go to the dog park a lot um on james island at, at the county park yep and, um, yeah, I'm just trying to stay outdoors, trying to stay away from the computers and the phones a little bit, you know, have a little little sane moment here do and you, there. Do you do that? Do you put your phone down and get that quiet time? I, I try to. I try to. Or I get it slapped out of my hand. It's one or the <laughs> other. <laughs> so. 
Awesome. Uh, well, if somebody else is coming into town, what would you tell them they had to check out? What are like the, what do you think the are the most Charleston things to do if you're checking it out for the first time? So I would say um, Fort Sumter for sure. Zero George. I'd have you tried Wild Common yet? Um, I have not been there to eat. You should try it. Yeah, good I spot. It. Mm-hmm. Solid. It's beautiful in there. I, I only bring that. Do you know it's the same owners as? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. Dean, yeah. Dean Andrews. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's really good. Um, we actually that's actually where we had our wedding. Oh, yeah, really? So we didn't formally like sit down and eat like th- at the restaurant, but they did all of our food for the wedding. It was really good. Oh, that's I awesome. love that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. How long ago was that? Uh, that was a month ago. Oh my god! Oh my yeah. goodness! Awesome. Congratulations! Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. How's married life treating you so far? Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. No complaints. That's awesome. So, what are some, wh- in terms of your business, or what are some of the things that you think separate the way you do things from other real estate agents? Or why would why when you're pitching to your friends who know seven real estate agents, why why would, should they even come? So I think I don't really at, at this point in my life I don't really have to do that anymore. Like sell them. Because they see, like, and I've started, like, family feuds and stuff, unfortunately. Like, I don't mean to. I just do. Like, I have friends that, you know, their sister has a real estate license or their mom or their cousin, and they don't use, like, they don't use them because they know that it's, like, a hobby or a part-time thing or they just trying to, to be something that they haven't been able to be have success with. And they see, you know, the success and the skill set that I have um, being able to go and find properties that aren't on the market and also like you know through through the real estate business I feel like you get your education through and your experience through um, your sales Um, that book that they give you in real estate class um, you basically I mean you honestly can just throw it in the trash when you leave because you're never going to use any of that and Being a new agent is kind of frustrating because you're like, I got this guy and he wants to get this house, but I don't know how to yep. make that happen and connect and like get him the key and get him to sign and I don't know. So it's something that'll never be taught in a book. It can only be taught through experiences. And um, just to you know to go back to your question, I, d- I don't I, I don't really have to anymore. It's not. They just know that I'm I'm just doing it you know what i'm saying well nicole mentioned your social media earlier and how you kind of built your brand um so that you don't so that that can tell the story for you right you don't have to do this anymore yeah you know what are some of the things you've learned through trial and error uh with that that you think have really helped you gain traction and what would you recommend to somebody else who is trying to use social media to drive their business forward um i would just say you know uh staying top of mind of people is is great and people that are in, you know, 25 and up, you know, that are around my age, um, they spend a third of their life on their phone. You know, it's just how, this is where everything is, it's convenient. So why not stay in front of people on the phone? And I don't really see, I don't know any brokerages in town that do that, Um, not do it consistently at least. So whether it's, you know, something professional or something, kind of funny like the Charleston Cribs thing that we did or you know a a before and after of a house flip or something like that it's entertainment and it's top of mind um I try and not make it like sales 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 I try and do more stuff that's kind of fun like 
what's going on in your neighborhood. Let's go talk to, you know, this gym owner and see, you know, see, see what they're all about and see what that new gym's about. And just got to be outside the box and have fun too. Um, I did a video with a roofer, like a neighbor, like a roofer that lives on James Island and he brought our dogs. It's like the roof inspectors and like, it was great, you know? And, um, I think he got a lot of calls from it and it was fun too. You know, I think people were like, wow, that's so funny. Look, look, look at JJ and his polo shirt on top of this roof. This is crazy <laughs> with his dogs. That's insanity. So, yeah. um, I think social media is very important and I think it's very underutilized in this area. Um, so I think that, you know, differentiates us a lot just with that. Um, and just to kind of give you an example of that, like I have, <coughs> I had a ex, you know, a coworker that I used to work with and she never liked any of our posts, never commented, never nothing. And she was relocating from Tennessee, and the first person that she thought about when she was buying a house in Charleston was me. Same thing. Friend's grandma. I didn't even know we were friends on Facebook, to be honest with you. She looks at all our social media, never likes, never comments, never does nothing. Um, and, you know, when they were going to sell her house, they, they called me up. So it, it was kinda, it's kind of staying top of mind, staying present and knowing your audience too you know is there like a particular book or coaching philosophy that you gravitated towards when you're teaching people on your team or even for yourself and uh, like if you were to if someone's new to real estate is there some kind of resource that you would direct them to that you think could help jumpstart i would say no resource in particular um you know one of my one of my mentors kind of when i first came in um grad he he kind of told me he said man you're really good at catching fish but you're really bad at gutting fish and um, that's what I try to implement with all my you know all my agents is you know what are you doing socially on a day-to-day -day basis where you're in constant contact with people don't you know don't go in it with an expectation that I'm trying to find a client or do this just do something fun that you enjoy where you are in contact with people whether it's cycling or f45 or dog park or something just enjoy your life and live in the moment and if something comes something comes um but i just want you to be out there being active you know and um you know when that comes you know that's kind of when i'm like hey you know is that f45 and you know this girl's about to have another baby and her husband want to sell their house and buy a bigger house you know that opportunity is there because you were present for it you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah. so just stay present you know stay present and open you know Cool. Have any other? Do you have any other questions? No. Okay. So <laughs> a couple. Qu I have a couple quick more. So uh, just fun ones. Any famous people in Charleston stories? Anybody you run into? Anybody you know here that uh, that the audience would know? Uh, I feel like Bill Murray. Yeah, you run into him. Yeah, he's come in Saffron's a good bit. Okay. I don't know if he still lives here anymore, but yeah. I think they were just. I saw his house was just listed. Uh, do you have a house on Mount Pleasant? I saw something online, but I never know if it's like true or not. Yeah, I'm not sure. He's kind of mysterious. I know he used to have a house on Gibbs, uh, Gibbs Street, and um, he owns a couple of investment properties here yeah. in town with some other business partners. Um, but he's so mysterious, you know. And every time he he sees you, he does something wild, and he'll be like, "They'll never believe you." And <laughs> it's like the yeah. famous Bill Murray story, you know. Um, so. Um, 
yeah, I'll see him out a good bit, whether it's at Harold's cabin or sometimes I'm coming to Saffron's, I'll see him there. So um, other than that, Dan Marino, he yeah. lives out at Kiowa. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so when I worked that. there, I used to see him a good bit. Yeah. Cool. Talk to him about anything other than football, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you've been here a long time. I'm sure you know a lot of people. Who are some other people that you think we should have on the podcast that people want to come on and tell their story and that uh, that would be want to hear their story? Um, so as far as uh, other people in the area that would be good for the podcast, I would think um, – some other people that I work with in real estate, I think Matt Anderson would be a good one to do a podcast with. Um, he is like got the humble hustle going on, man. He is like super low key, but does a lot of volume and has a great reputation in town. Um, same thing with a guy named Tiff Mitchell. He same thing, just dominates the market and is kind of low key about it, which is good too, you know. Um, those are two cats that really do a good job, and I think kind of give realtors the, the rap that they should have, you know. Um, I feel like sometimes, you know, people with people with licenses, and I wish, honestly, I wish that they would, um, you know, make, uh, if I was on the board of professional standards, I would, I would definitely make it to be, you had to have a certain amount of production to hold a license. Because people, because like I, back to kind of what I said, people without experiences, they don't know how to do anything going forward without making huge mistakes and you're dealing with people's biggest assets of their lives. So I think that some type of production minimum would be awesome. Um, and that would eliminate a lot of people from just having licenses and not kind of knowing the ins and outs of things. And, and, and a lot of lawsuits would not happen because of that too, you know? Cool. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of people that are like, I'm going to get my license to save money on this on this new thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, Well, thank you for sharing your story. I think it was really awesome. And I think uh, there's a lot, a lot of things that uh, people can take away from it for their own journeys. And uh, hopefully uh, we can have you on again sometime soon. Yeah, most awesome. definitely. So thank you guys for having me. Thank, thank you. you. Cool. Thank Thanks. you so much. Yeah, awesome. Good job. Yeah, that was awesome. Sweet. <laughs>